This is episode one of the interview with Ed Mel. The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There's eight books in the series. And they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. So, Ed Mel came by the studio today, and I've been trying to get Ed on the program for three years. <laughs> I, I've had more people at, uh, on my podcast talk about Ed Mel in the their podcast. I think it's probably up to about 10 people. And um, it's just one of those things that's hard to get together sometimes. And then the pandemic gets in the way. And Ed was a podcast I really wanted to do in person because I've known Ed for 25 years. And for me, just being able to sit across the chair and have a wonderful discussion of his life and his all of his accomplishments and the people that have influenced him and made him who he is and what he is was a gift for me. And I think for Ed as well. He's such an interesting guy, not um, a person that you get to meet every day. His artwork is really important artwork and I collect his artwork and have since the time I've represented him. And I have lots of his works, including his sculptures in my own house. So this was a very fun podcast, and we went on for two hours. And so the first hour is kind of the backstory of Ed and how he got to become an artist and how he found his way in the world. And then the second part, really, we go into a little bit more detail about the people that influenced him art-wise and the types of things he's doing, from sculpture to flowers to figurative works to the opera that he did, uh, just a variety of more current events that are going on in his life. So this is one that everyone needs to listen to. Put it on your hit parade. It's a two-parter. We went for two hours, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Ed Mel. Yeah, it's got to be weird when your signature starts demanding money. You well, can sign I, your name and get... This is the first time I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, on your books. Your books, if you sign your book. Well, that's true, yeah. Lithographs. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, in fact, we have this for all those I people... Who, straight. Oh, yeah. Well, we're on. We're doing it live. Oh, we are. For all okay. those people who uh, want to see things get signed, this is one of Ed's pieces. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> that was a national lampoon for those people who are just listening. You dug that out of somewhere. <laughs> so Pat, who does the podcast, he's, uh -huh. a, he's a fan of yours. Oh, okay. He bought it on eBay. I won't say how much and said, you think Ed would sign it? And I said, maybe. We'll ask him. Sure. 50, 50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks. See, there you go. Your signature <laughs> demands 50 bucks. In fact, I think it actually only demands 25 on your books. I think oh, okay. that it's about, maybe it's gone up. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, 25. 25 for Pat. <laughs> well, I have Ed Mel on my podcast. I don't know how long I've been trying to get you on this podcast, but it's over probably, two years. Probably since you first started it. <laughs> yeah, probably. So. I'm thinking about how many people have mentioned your name on this podcast, but you're the great white whale because... Well, you better tell me so I can mention theirs. Yeah, well, let's see. Collier and Bob Bozbell. 
I think Mark Maggiore, Billy Shank, um, Ballinger, Gary, uh, Ernest Gary Ernest Smith. I mean, you know, yeah. it just goes on and on. Right. Yeah. So it's funny. You kind yeah, of you know. are in the crux of a lot of lives. Yeah, you know, I've been at this a long time. <laughs> you have been at this a long time. <laughs> I didn't start that young. I didn't start really till I was about 36. So. With the painting part, With the painting part. Yes. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about that. The beginning, the Ed Mel beginning, because one of the things I think that makes you unique is that you're a real Arizonian, right? You know, born and raised, went to high school in Arizona and all right. that. So, right. tell me a little bit about your mom and dad, because I, I know a little bit about the back history, but they got to Arizona early, right? Nineteen fifteen and nineteen twenty four or something yeah, like that. My mother moved to Mesa, Arizona, when with with her family when she was one. In 1915, my dad came in 1924. His father got tuberculosis. His father was a head of, uh, my grandfather was a head of um, Mazda light bulb division of General Electric. He was, a, he was product, production manager. Mm -hmm. And when he got sick with, um, uh, what the hell? I TB, probably. TB, yes. Yeah. They sent him to the the president had a place in Chandler mm. and sent him there to recuperate and after he was feeling better he sent for his family and decided to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> and did he did your grandfather stay in that business in the automotive business uh no well a Mazda no Mazda light bulb oh light bulbs okay yeah General Mazda Electric. probably didn't exist yeah, yeah they didn't <laughs> and um but he didn't stay in that he and then he was uh Assistant treasurer for the Arizona Power Company, which is now APS, uh. and he did a lot, he invested a lot in land early on and did very very well for himself. Yeah, and his and your dad was how old when he was came to twelve years old. He was twelve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that must have been a switch. Yeah, and he said when he got off the train, he immediately fell in love with Arizona. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, when you think about. Arizona in well, that Phoenix time frame. Phoenix was 25,000 people or something yeah, like that. that's Yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. So. Yeah, we weren't even that many. We, we were like 25,000 in 1950 in Tucson. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, Phoenix was big comparatively. Right, exactly. So, you, so your dad, what did, what did your dad do? Uh, my dad, well, he was editor of the Arizona Beverage Journal, which is a liquor trade business. Mm -hmm. uh, Magazine and uh, and then later on he was executive secretary of the Arizona Wholesale Beer and Liquor Association, so he kind of dealt with uh, all kinds of uh, legal things with the, you know that uh, came up about liquor uh, control and that kind of thing and also you know put together conventions they'd have every year mm -hmm. they those guys had a good party that's for sure <laughs> but they did and did your mom was she did she work or did she she, she was a school teacher she was. and then when we came around she became an uh, what do you call it a substitute teacher mm -hmm. yeah and what did she, she teach she taught uh first through third grade yeah yeah mm -hmm. the critical time frame really yeah really and did she like art my family was very open to it. My older brother, Frank, was kind of the first artist in the family. And uh, he had more natural talent than any of us, I think. And um, he, he sent stuff to Mad Magazine to see if, when he was 
16 years old, yeah. you know, uh-huh. <laughs> that kind of did he, work and stuff. Did he get, did they put any of his stuff in Mad Magazine? No, he stuff? was just seeing if they would hire him, you know. Oh, wow, he, he knew what he, he wanted to do. He was 16. Right. <laughs> and then later on, he went to Art Center, as I did, and and uh, went to New York, worked in advertising, and like like I did, and also went into illustration, as I did, so. And then your younger brother also was an artist, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he worked in, well, he went to San Francisco Art Institute. He uh, he was going with a couple of the members of the Tubes, a rock group called the Tubes, mm-hmm. and was involved with their early set designs and stuff, and you know, that kind of thing, so. And so, what were your parents thinking when they, you know, you've got three kids that are all wanting to go into art? Were they pro for that? Well, they were definitely, in my case, they were glad I found something to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go there then. <laughs> were you a bad kid when you were growing up? Uh, I, well, I, I was dyslexic, so I had a lot of trouble in school. Um, it affects your memory more than anything, like memorizing you know, chapters in a book right. and that kind of thing. And so I didn't do very well in tests, which is not an indication of your intelligence. It's just part of you isn't working. Yeah, because they don't test. You know, the thing is, they're not testing for artistic creativity and what you can do in that area. You right, know? right. Because, you know, they still don't value it like they should. But. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, 100%. You know, music and art are so important, I think, to people even if that's not their vocation, I think it just helps them yeah. the rest of it. All. I mean, can you imagine if they didn't, you know, if without your parents pushing you and saying that's fine and you having the self-drive, otherwise you don't find art maybe, you right. know? That's right, yeah. And that, can you imagine? That's but, just... so, so my grandfather used to give us a ream of paper, which was like, you know, regular typing paper and art supplies every year. So he was... You know, he was uh, always, I guess he was helping us out. You know, he didn't talk much about it, but but he did give us that for some reason or other. So, Well, he's old school. Was he, would he been in World War? He was not in World War One. One. He probably yeah. would have been. Um, he, it's interesting, he was kicked out of every Catholic school in Minneapolis. <laughs> and, and I don't think he went past an eighth grade education, but... You know, he he was running the production for a light, you know, major light bulb company. So you know, he he had a, he had his smart and 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 was an assistant treasurer for a power company. So yeah, I know he clearly succeeded. Take, take some yeah knowledge there. So and then what about your dad? Was he in World War Two at all? He was World War Two. He was stationed in Italy. He was uh, he was a um, clerk because. They said he was so blind, if he got his glasses knocked off, he'd be shooting his own men. <laughs> so it kept him out of the front lines, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I, we are, too, as a matter of fact. So you're growing up with um, an older brother, a younger brother. Everybody's interested in art. But you were really interested also in cars, right? Yeah, I kind of, yeah. Early on, that's what I drew is cars. And I went, my dream was to be a car designer and. So when I went to art, that changed. I went to junior college, and I had a friend, uh, Mel Abert. Uh, he and I were kind of equal talents in junior college artistically. 
And then he went on to Art Center a few semesters ahead of me and came back with his portfolio and he laid it out on my parents' living room floor. And I was blown away by how how far he'd exceeded right. my uh, <laughs> abilities, I'll say. So, um, and my dad was sitting there and he said, you, you want to go to Art Center? And I said, yeah. So I had to put together a portfolio. You had to have a yeah, sure. to a get in. Good school. So I set up a little art studio in my dad, my parents' garage uh -huh. and, um, and, and pumped it out and went over there and it got accepted. And so that was, uh, that was a great change in my life. Going, Phoenix was kind of, um, backward in those days yeah i'm sure and la was happening and there was so just moving to that that environment and that school and everything just you know i always felt you learned as much from your new friends as you did from um the teachers you know because some of them were hipper than me for sure oh yeah i'm sure <laughs> well when you were in school and like high school and junior high did you ever win any awards art awards or anything no i never entered any yeah you were just focused on drawing cars drawing cars and getting in trouble yeah and yeah. then when you got your degree at the junior college what was that in uh that that well it was just uh what are they i can't remember what like a got. general thing general yeah. yeah you were still searching right yeah and uh, I, w I think junior college is good if you don't have a direction. Yeah. Because you're not wasting a lot of money. The pressure isn't too right. hard on you. It's like high school without the boundaries, so to speak. And, and I, it gave me a chance to kind of figure out what I wanted to, to get a rough direction and then through my meeting with uh, Mel Abert, you know, I ended up going to art school. And did Mel, did he graduate with you from high school? Uh, he did, and he also graduated from Art Center. He graduated a couple semesters before me. Yeah, and he went on to be a, a third owner in in the largest ad agency in California, privately owned. Wow, you know, it wasn't a part of a conglomerate. Yeah, so, uh, and and he stayed in advertising until very recently. He's still around. Yeah, he just moved to Montana to paint. Let's give him a shout out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, in a way, he, he was instrumental in you going to Art uh, Center, right? He was very much so, yeah. Because I went over there and checked it out and hung out with him and the guys and went sat in on a couple of classes and so it was uh, it was mind blowing for a <laughs> twenty year old kid from Phoenix. <laughs> and this would have been about sixty two or so. Yeah, and I went there in sixty three. So yeah. So how long was your hair in sixty three? It was very short. Yeah, I would think. Uh, it was because <laughs> that was the trend. You know, right. Yeah, you're boys. in Arizona. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, but I bet it wasn't short when you got out. Well, Art Center, Art Center did not allow you to grow your hair long. Oh wow! And being an art Cool. That was pretty weird, but you got to remember the, the number one um, curriculum was uh, automotive design, mm. and so Ford, Chrysler, and GM all donated probably a million dollars a year to the school mm. because it was the top automotive design school. So when they came to town, you know, they didn't want a bunch of scruffy, <laughs> long-haired weirdos. <laughs> and of course, long hair didn't come in until '66. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, and uh, I was I graduated in '67. But 
And so when you're in art school, art center and design, mm-hmm. uh, were you interested in doing automotive stuff still? Were you, was, no, there, was there a track for that or not? Uh, I wasn't interested, uh, although I kind of vicariously enjoyed it through friends of mine that were mm. into that. So, And some pretty famous people have gone through that college, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You remember any of the top people besides yourself? Well, there was a lot of top automotive designers. Um, well, there was some just main, there were some great artists too, didn't there's been some great artists that have gone through that I'm pr- having trouble program. Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, the director and who uh, did the big orange and see where all, we all have it. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, a lot of very, t- a lot of strong talent came Yeah, out I would there, think so. Yeah. You know, in the advertising world. And and we, uh, the teachers were more, um, they, a lot of them were working professionals, you know, which... I think gave us a better insight to it all. It was good. Yeah. I loved it. And and I was ready to move on. And so by the time you graduate in 67, mm-hmm. what are you thinking at that point? New York? New York. Yeah. If you're advertising, it seemed like everything was a compromise if you didn't go to New York, right. which isn't really the truth, but <laughs> yeah. that's what we thought. But it, yeah, but you, I mean, and it was kind of mm-hmm. true, right? I mean, that's where right. they were all headed. Well, when I was in, uh, when I was, Probably in my second or third year, uh, a friend of mine, Nick Gatano, was uh, already working at uh, Young and Rubicon, which at that time was the second largest ad agency in the world. Mm. And uh, he got, through his influence, got me a summer student's job as an art director, junior art director. So that that was a... that was definitely great. You know? And so did you go there where you're still in school, like 66 or so? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it was a, 65. Yeah, so, 65. yeah, two years before. So you yeah. already knew. You kind of got to see the Big Apple and see what it was all about, right? Yeah, it was. It was, and, and, yeah, I did. And I designed an ad. I was working as, a, like, a junior art director right. for uh, this guy, Mats Yasamura, a great guy. And he uh, let me do an ad for 16 Magazine. And he, I said, I want it illustrated. And he said, by who? And I said, Paul Davis, who was a Pushpin studio artist. Now, um, he had a job that went down in an airplane. So he had to cancel on the job. And they got another guy to do it. And I had these bright colors. It was 16 Magazine for Safeguard Soap, I think. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he... he uh, had another guy do it, and he just made all the colors pastel. And the art director I'm working over, he says, "You got to take that back to Pushpin Studios, and um, tell them to redo it." So I walk in, and who am I talking to? But Milton Glazer, who is the master graphic guy in the world. <laughs> And I'm telling him, we have to change this. And he's going, oh, we decided it looked better this way. And I said, because I had to. I said, well, no, we're going to have to change this to brighter colors. Right. <laughs> and then I I don't know, think that had ever happened, but, you know, for some reason or other. But that was my high point. And I got to tell Mountain Glazer what to do. <laughs> and you're like 22 maybe or something? Yeah, 22. Three. 23. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you were in New York, that first go around as an mm-hmm. intern, were you going to any of the art museums? Did you? Because there's not a lot of art to see in Phoenix in that time oh, frame. Well, to, to a degree, but yeah. my focus is more, interest was more in the commercial world. You were working. Time. I mean, Museum of Modern Art was a must in the Whitney. 
Right. And uh, the Met probably did right. those, yeah. And the pop scene really hadn't quite come on at that point, had it? Uh, no. Yeah. It hadn't. Yeah. So you go back, you finish up, and then you go, okay, I know where I'm going. And, yeah. And you had an end with this ad advertising. I did. Well, I, I did... I did submit a, a, more of a straightforward advertising uh, portfolio, and they liked the cute crap that I had in my first one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I didn't get a job at YNR. I was really bummed. But I got one at Kenyon and Eckhart, which was really a good agency. And I, and I worked on um, Helena Rubinstein and Air France. Mm. And I got to design an ad campaign for, um, for Air France cargo lines, which was called Pelican Lines. And so that was fun. And But I kind of lost interest in it. And I did it. A guy bombed on an illustration job for Air France. And, uh, and I can't remember if he didn't turn it in or what happened, but they said, Ed, could you go home and do an illustration overnight for this? We've seen the stuff you've been fiddling around with. I, so I did, and it was a coupon campaign. And of all the pieces, they had more coupons clipped out. And so, and they were really thrilled with it. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I could do this for a living. I wouldn't have to answer to anybody. <laughs> so a friend of mine, Skip Andrews, another Phoenician, was out in L.A. doing some illustration with uh, another friend of ours. And, and I called him. I said, I think I'm going to come to L.A. And he goes, oh, L.A.'s dead. I'm coming to New York. So he came to New York, and we formed Sagebrush Studios, a little reflection on our Western heritage right. here. Who came up with the name? Do you remember? remember? Yeah. It's yeah. interesting, though. You went with an Arizona name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a brush, you know. So oh, the first things we were doing was uh, our illustration was airbrush, which was – was kind of fresh to new to the scene. Uh, there was one other illustrator in New York named Robert Grossman that was doing contemporary airbrush illustration. And he was really good. And nobody, none of the other illustrators were using it. And uh, so it had a fresh new look that all of the art directors liked and stuff. So. And for people who might not know what airbrush is, can you explain what that is? Well, it's uh, you're spraying your color on, so you put down a frisket and cut out the different shapes and peel them off and spray the colors, put them back. I mean, it's a tedious job. And very flat. Yeah, very flat. But yeah. you, can, you can put dimension to it by, you know, the way you spray it. But anyway, so we did that. And, um, and it was, you know, I really did enjoy it for a while. But again, it wasn't really what I was feeling. And uh, I um, had a friend, uh, John Cordalis, who was uh, a musician and a teacher, uh, and he got a job teaching on the Hopi Reservation mm -hmm. in Northern Arizona. And he called me up and said, we're putting together a summer arts program for the kids and the adults. And how would you like to come spend two and a half months on the Hopi Reservation? I said, right. I said, if you can cover my rent, which is nothing, <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> and so I was. It was a. That was a really probably the most important thing I've done in my life was to just walk away from New York City for two and a half months and be on a reservation that 
everything about it was fresh and new and exciting. The landscape was. And so that's when my early thoughts about what I'm doing today sort of started gelling. Yeah, why do you think you did that? Why, why did you take that job? Uh, because I was, I just wanted to get out of there for a while, and it sounded exciting and different, you know. Had you been back to Arizona hardly, you know, well, in that I'd, period of to time? Phoenix, but I, you know, I'd never been up to the Hopi Reservation yeah. in my life. So, uh, and the people were great, and it was the whole working at that school was a lot of fun. My friend, uh, he had taught. Uh, there's three uh, Hopi guys that. Uh, he taught how to play instruments, and there was two white guys, so they had a band called the Indians and Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, it was it was just a lot of fun going on there. And he he had taken the original Adobe School building that had been been abandoned and just used for storage, and had all the adults in the village restore it. And uh, then he got these smaller grants that other schools didn't go for. And he ended up with $25,000 of um, money to buy art supplies and stuff. So they had great art supplies. This was you at know, Hope Villa? This is at Hope Villa, yeah. And the kids, would you, you give, they would just run to the classes. They were excited. <laughs> you know, it was fun. And there was a lot of really good talent there, too. Yeah, I believe it. Because art is part of their culture, you know. Yes, and uh, so that's like 71 that was 71 yeah and do you know if any of those kids that you taught i assume you were teaching art you were teaching drawing and different mm -hmm. things right did any of them go on to become artists of any type do you know i don't know It'd be really interesting to know it if any would, of them yeah did. It, you kind of lost track of them you know yeah and but it was it, we had a lot of fun and so going back to New York just for a little bit, because there's a few things I want to capture, like 69 was Woodstock, did, and you were in New York. Did you know about that or want to go to that or We went that? to Woodstock. Okay, see, uh, we were going to... My brother yeah. got tickets for us all, and he had a camper yeah. on the back of his truck, and we all piled in there. And we got within seven miles of the... And the humanity was just ridiculous, you know, and... So we paid a guy to park in his front yard, and and we we never even made it to the stage. It was just too many people, and we all decided, let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> and so we went and camped on um, Delaware River and had a great time. Yeah. And looking at those movies, I'm so glad I wasn't part of that mess. <laughs> but your hair was probably a little longer by then. It was, yes. And so that was Vietnam time as well, and you're mm -hmm. not in school. So how did that go down with well, Vietnam? Well, I went to, uh, I, got a, I got a college deferment when I went to Art Center. Right. And, um, and then by then, it was, you know, my numbers were that I didn't get called in. You had a high number. Yeah, high number. Yeah. And none of your brothers did either? No. Uh, Lee was too young, and my brother Frank, he he enlisted when he was twenty one and was in Germany. Ah, so nobody was in. Yeah, no, no, nobody saw combat. Nobody saw combat at least like, like that combat for sure. And then you, but also in New York City, you did stuff like this. So we were kind of alluding to it, and I'd like to bring up one of your major works that you did. <laughs> so for those on YouTube, we get to see that. This is a uh, looks like Minnie Mouse with. Uh, She's burying her boobies she with looks, a little flower Yes, yeah, she does. It says sagebrush right there at the bottom of the right. thing. So how did that happen? 
Well, um, we had done some other work for National Lampoon, and they said, we want you to do many doing in this position. <laughs> and uh, so the first one we did, we said, they're going to get sued. So we changed, tried to change her enough, took it in. They said, we want dead on 40s Minnie Mouse. Redo it. So we redid it. And, of course, they got sued. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until reading an Esquire uh, article, I think it was Henry Beard or one of the guys from there, that they said, he talked about this, that it was intentional to get sued by Disney because they only got sued for $10,000. And the magazine was struggling, and supposedly this cover saved the magazine. <laughs> did you worry about yourself getting sued when you did it? Uh, no, we were too dumb. To yeah, you didn't. That. He was like, oh, we'll do whatever they we say. We got $150 for the cover. <laughs> <laughs> now if you sign it, you get 50 bucks for it. That's pretty funny. So you... Um, at, but after Hope Villa mm -hmm. in 71, and that was two months out on the res? Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half months. So you go back to New York. Right. And then what happened then? Uh, I went back to New York and uh, worked for a while and started making sort of plans to move back to Arizona, you know. And actually, I was thinking about moving to San Francisco with my younger brother and doing a design studio. Mm-hmm. So I went there for three weeks to see how I liked it. It rained every day, and I said, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I need heat, and I need sun. <laughs> and in space. Yeah, in space, yeah. yeah. No, it's totally different. Yeah, that's another city, you know? Yeah. So uh, I moved back to Phoenix, and I still was doing illustration my, uh, to make a living. My brother, um, he was my brother Lee and I, and my brother Frank at times, I did some etched glass stuff to make a living, you know. Right. It was kind of in vogue in the early. Have you seen summer. any of that ever come back around in the, that you guys did? Any of that there's glass work? At, there's one at the uh, La Fonda in Taos. It's still there. <laughs> Even It was for a restaurant yeah. in the hotel. Oh, that's so funny. But it was closed, but the glass is still there. <laughs> but uh, that's about it. So this is like 73 kind of time yeah, frame now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And have you started considering to be do some fine art yet? Uh, yeah. I was doing a lot of drawing and thinking, you know, and then, you know how it is. It just one day it's like, okay, I, I kind of know in my head before I even put anything down, what I wanted to do. And my early paintings were very minimal, and right. um, they were sort of a modernist approach to the landscape, very minimal, and then more and more I started adding more information on them. And then I evolved from that almost to my version of realism, and then I, I started Going back to the modernist stuff, too. Yeah, no, I know. Reinvestigating. It's, it's really an interesting way, because if you look at those early ones, and you're you're talking, your earliest paintings, would they really be like 77? Yeah. Right in there with the two mountain kind of yeah, thing. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah, that's right. And right. Then the Which was my first oil. Yeah, and that was 1977? Yeah, and I'd been doing some acrylics and stuff. But. Was that, in, that was oil, though, right? That was oil, yeah. yes. And so, in, when you did that painting, which is a big painting, it's not a small painting, right? 
It's uh, 1530, I yeah. think, something like that. When you started doing those kind of things, did you go, I got something here? Yeah, I felt like I, I had a road to go down. Yeah. You know, uh, it, one of the things is, is the more you evolve into it, I started adding more information. And ironically, I wanted to do a painting for my parents for Christmas, and I go, I got to put a little more in there for them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they won't get it, you think? <laughs> they might not appreciate it. Right, exactly. You did what? <laughs> this is the Which, school we paid for? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was still very minimal and modern. And by, by doing that, it opened up, you know, I need to put more information in there to keep my interest right. as well as anything else. And, and then, then you just start going down a road and the landscape, you can't ask for better, better landscape than in the Southwest. The color, the variety of form, everything is so great. So, so I, I kept, I, I've always said an artist has to keep himself entertained mm. if he's bored with his work at shows. So, Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And yours never has been that way. I'm always amazed how fresh it is. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, and you're continuing to evolve and rehash things. And you know, I find it amazing that in 1977, you're doing this very simplistic, modern, cubistic kind of sensibility. Mm -hmm. And it all comes back around. Yeah. You know, 35 years later. <laughs> well, it was probably more like... I. It was probably more like 10 years later. Yeah. And then I went. So I was, and I still paint both schools. Yeah, right. Which I think doing realism, the understanding of realism is, helps you abstract it, I think. You know, I mean, Picasso was very good at, in, in a realistic approach. And he, he understood there's certain forms logged in your brain that you draw from all right. that, I think, in colors and that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember you telling me one time in your studio, we're talking about, I think I asked the question, is it easier to do the abstraction stuff? And you said, nope, just as hard, just, well, just as much time frame, I should say. It's, um, it, to me, it's more freeform thinking because they all start out as a small study where I kind of, because some of the inventions are not worth developing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones I saw. You know, the other day I did a painting. It was a crappy painting kicking around. <laughs> and I only had a couple hours to paint before I had to leave. And I, so I just repainted over the thing. And it came out great. So sometimes I would say great. It came out good enough. Yeah, didn't get scraped. Right. And... Um, Enough that I'm going to develop it into a bigger painting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a real thing. You know, and um, so that's, and that's the way Picasso worked, too. He would, re, he would redo things and reinvent them three or four times. And, you know, it's funny. When I'm doing the abstracts, a lot of times I have a very vague general idea. And sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to do at all. But I put some marks down that indi that sort of um, indicate something to me, you know, and sort of start following that and see where it takes me. 
And this is on a smaller painting, or yeah, this is studies. So yeah, which are ten, fourteen, whatever. Yeah, roughly eleven, fourteen. Yeah, you know, smaller even than that. Sometimes a little bigger. And so you just put a couple little marks and go. Yeah. Okay, let's see where it goes. Put some color down, and a lot of times you go. Oh, I can already tell it's going to be a bomb, you know. <laughs> and then you just keep messing with it, and and to me that's the way I find some new stuff. Yeah, is kind of breaking your own rules, and you know when your brain says oh, you should make that brown and over here, and so you make it purple and put it over here or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you know the Pueblo potters do the same thing. Yeah. I've heard a lot of Pueblo potters. They don't really know what the form is. Mm -hmm. They just start working, and then it just kind of starts right. making shape. And they go, and it, oh, "That's what it is." And I go there. Right. Yeah, I can. It's, it's probably the same. same. You know, when we were kids, my my brother and I used to do things where we'd make a scribble, and then the other guy would have to make a face <laughs> out of it yeah. or something. Right. You know? And it's kind of almost using that same thinking on a different level. Yeah, I could see that. You know, where you're just, it's free form. It's, you know, you don't, you haven't got the thing already charted out. And that's part of my painting. And then there's some things that are very figured out. Yeah. You know, might go through a series of drawings and a couple of studies before I do a finish, so. And on the tr tr more, I call it more traditional, more realistic stuff, is it the same thing that you don't have exactly the idea or is no, that, that more one i have more of an idea yeah i would think you'd have yeah, to yeah and that's maybe yeah. that's where film and photos and things come in handy or more yeah involved. sometimes yes yeah. uh, and i and again they do sort of invent themselves as you're doing it and and then like like i like if i'm doing a really big piece i'll do two or maybe even three studies hmm to get it refined because once you're painting big you want to have it pretty clear in your mind what you're doing right at least i do you know i mean some guys don't they just do them you know so, so we all work different that's why our work looks different that's, and and you've kept a lot of the studies a lot of the ones that I are, have, yes. yeah uh -huh. i know and i've sold a lot too yeah i've got a few of them in my own collection that you yeah, were kind right. enough to <laughs> let us buy and keep in our own collection <laughs> but those are hard to get out of you i know <laughs> well I, you know i put a few in every show yeah in fact we'll have a show in february that's right i think we've been showing together for almost like 25 years and well i think how long have you been in business since 92 and i think we first started showing together maybe about 98 Oh, I thought it was earlier. Now. Could be ninety six. I was trying to think yeah. of that the other day. It was somewhere between ninety six and ninety eight. It may have been ninety six. Yeah. Um, but it's whatever that period of time is. Time. It's like a quarter of a century. Right. I know that. <laughs> and so let's get back to the gallery kind of thing. So we'll we'll get to where I come in. But in seventy seven, you start painting. You start doing oils, and you must at some point go. Okay, I've got to get a gallery or galleries. Right. I had to two try little to, boys that I had to feed. So. Right. You know, um, yeah, I, uh, I I started in a gallery on Main Street that I helped form. Hmm. Uh, I met a guy who says, I want to do a gallery and I don't have any money. And I met a woman that says, said, I have some money, I want to do a gallery, but I don't know, you know, and put them <laughs> together. And it was called Limner Gallery. I've heard of that. And Limner Gallery, Limner is another name for a painter. 
Mm-hmm. So we thought, and it sounds like somebody's name. It so, does, yes. So we call it Limner Gallery. And uh, I was there for, I think they were, and Bill Shank was in that. You know, it was yeah. really early when yeah. we were just. Yeah, well, yeah, what would this have been like 78? Five, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, but somewhere in the yeah. early, uh, well, mid I to late doing, 70s. I was doing airbrush on canvas. Oh, yeah, it was early. So it was very early. Yeah. yeah it was before I started. Uh, understanding that the tactile quality of painting is important. Right. So I threw my airbrush against the wall at one point because <laughs> <laughs> they clog. You know, it's just it, they look great, but they were you know anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was uh, in that um, gallery with Bill Shank was there. It's about the only person I can. So so it was funny. Uh, first show at the gallery we all had our stuff there and phil curtis who's a well-known painter from phoenix mm-hmm. came in and i was introduced to him and he said what's your paintings and i said oh those two up there you know <laughs> and he goes uh looks at him he goes i know what your problem is you can do too many things well and he left and i went what does he mean yeah <laughs> but i think he meant that i was a technician which I kind of was. I just doing kind of soft focus photorealism yeah. and stuff. So uh, it took me a while to f- figure out what he meant, but uh, it was an important thing for him to say. And uh, and so then I, so that gallery closed, um, and then there was one called Elizabeth Burns Gallery. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was open for a couple of years, and then Marilyn Butler bought it. It was a very small gallery, and it handled Fritz Schulder and a guy named Earl Linderman, who were, you know, both yep. major hot guys right then. Yep. So I was kind of stuck in the back room a lot, you know. <laughs> so they must have had good taste, though, because she had Fritz Schulder. Oh, she, she, yeah. she did, yeah, you know, but people were going, oh, when I've seen Ed Mao, they drag something out of the back room, you know. So I thought, well, you know, it's time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I actually made an appointment, a few appointments with with Elaine Horwich, but right. she didn't never she never showed up or called me. So uh, you know, she was in Santa Fe. It was in the summer, and I understand. And in the meantime, uh, um, Suzanne Brown got word. That I was looking, and I thought I was keeping it a big secret. But, <laughs> and uh, they used to work together, I think, right? Brown and Elaine Horowitz. They yeah, had, they, they, they had something called the Art Wagon in the early days. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, they're kind of competitors, right? They were. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I said to Suzanne, I said, you know, your contract, I, I can't sign a contract like that. She said, you don't need to sign a contract. And she said, I'll give you a show whenever you want. So I had, you know, I put together a show almost when I would have had one at, across the street. And it, and it was kind of, I was starting to really hit my stride more, and it mm-hmm. really did well. And What year would this have been? Oh, I joined her in 81. 81. So because so, you had a show in like Amarillo, was it, or Lubbock? In te- I, I did have one in Amarillo. It was Amarillo in 1980, right? 
Yeah, you're right. And that was one of your very first, maybe your first major kind of show? Yeah, and that was in a guy's house. Yeah, but you did very well, right? Yeah, well, for those times, I came home with some money. Yeah, because I ended up with a couple of those paintings from people out of that. Oh, did you? Really? Have, yeah, uh-huh. Interesting. And they were great. They were great paintings. Yeah, it was a, it was a learning experience. It was, it, I can't remember the, well, my friend, um, um, uh, when the mic's in front of me, I can't think. Yeah, no. You know? I can't think when the mic is or isn't in front of me sometimes. <laughs> so, but one of your good friends yeah, um, had set uh, it up. Uh, David Nodder's wife, uh, she uh, um, is from Amarillo, and she set this whole thing up. So we go there, and there's this big, beautiful home, kind of Santa Fe style. And the guy that owned it became a senator in Texas. And I, again, it escapes me. But right. so we went in to hang my show in their house. And I had to take down a Picasso and a Cezanne, <laughs> the real deal. Right. And they hired a guard that stood by the stood by the closet that they were the in. expensive stuff. Yeah. And. But they had a big crowd of people, and they people bought stuff, and I was it was wonderful. So and you did great stuff. I mean, there was some really. I know the two pieces I got out of that sh that have been in that show were wonderful. Yeah, I mean, they were, do you still have them? No. Yeah, I'm yeah, curious I, what they were because uh, I hardly remember. What yeah, I, I can show you. I actually know where one of them is, and uh -huh. it's in one of my good friends' collection, and I know oh. the other one. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were fantastic paintings. Yeah, very and very typical of that kind of time frame i mean more simple yeah. and i think you were using at that point the edmel block kind of a signature do you remember when you quit using that well marilyn butler said you better do develop a signature so mm -hmm. i thought that was a good idea because it's a lot easier to sign than it is to hand letter right ed mel yeah you know so that would have been if she's doing that that's like maybe 79 you started eight no because 80 they was still had the ed mel i think those things still yeah. had the early well block. i yeah it was probably right in there when i changed yeah because i left i was in suzanne brown in 81 yes and i was with her for 20 years yes so there's the there's the tidbit of the ed mel uh aficionados out there if it's the block letter ed mel signature it's probably 1980 or before yeah it's yeah. only a short period of time really maybe yeah. three years worth of art that has yeah, that exactly so so you end up with suzanne she says i'll do whatever just you know come yeah. with me don't go with and i had a i had a good uh, it, actually elaine horwich was never mentioned in the conversation yeah you know she just i mean she said i i really want you and i figured you know, Elaine Horwich was a hipper gallery. Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to be in that environment. But Suze Brand, Suze, there's something to be said for a gallery that really wants you. Yes. And they'll treat you right. And we did good, a lot of good business for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I started showing you in whatever it was, I'll say 96, somewhere in that time frame, I'll have to actually look it up. But And I, Suzanne Brown came down to meet me. You, did you know that? 
I didn't know that. Yeah. I think you did tell me, but you know, she didn't want me to be in another gallery in Arizona. Yeah. And I said, "Well, Howard Post is over down there." <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> if he can do it. I can do it. Exactly. So I just did it. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> Howard was in in Suzanne Brown's as right, well. Right. He he paved the way for me. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And he uh, and so she came down, and she just I think she just wanted to size me up first of all to see if I would be too much competition. Right. Uh, which makes sense, I guess. Um, and two, probably just to make sure I was an okay guy, you know, yeah. and just not going to screw up your, your uh, you know, uh, world or her world. Early, or, early career. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. a dealer can make, can screw things up for people oh, they if, they, if they yeah. do things. I've been very fortunate. Yeah. I've been very fortunate. Um, so in 81, uh, uh, Dewey, Coffin Gallery right. approached me. That's in Santa Fe. Yeah, and uh, and Ray came over, and he is such a great guy. I just yeah, he know, is a great guy. Yeah, he's, and he uh, anyway. As soon as I talked to him, I knew I wanted it. And he had pictures of his new gallery on the plaza, and I, <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with you." So we and we were together. You know, it's evolved from. Dewey Coffrin to Dewey Galleries to Owens Dewey, and now I'm with Owens. So right, it's that involvement I've stayed with all this time. Yeah, that's an amazing. And yeah. they did at least one show. Was one of their first shows was like Ed Mel Maynard Dixon kind of thing, right? It was. That was the f right when Owens Dewey was happening. I, uh, you know, people were comparing my work to his, and I always felt that that you deal it with it straight on. Of course he influenced me, you know. And so we did a catalog and everything that you know, for that show and and I thought it clears the air, so to speak. Right. You know, it's not you know, yeah, he influenced me, but I think all artists are a continuum. Yeah, of course. You know, there's not a guy on the planet that yeah. influenced by somebody. Yeah, well, you also like Long Mogargi, you like Blumenschein, you like some of the early Mexican artists. I mean, those are all... Yeah, a lot of the Taos family. Yeah. I mean, you know, all those... Victor Higgins. Yeah, of course. I mean, Andrew I think... Dosberg. You know what, I think the comparison, why people see this Dixon mouth comparison is that they i think people say they both captured the west with truth you know and when you look at those you go and not a lot of people do and both of you guys really captured it with an essence of of getting whatever that is whether it's the shadows and the, right. the colors and the and the forms and the clouds i mean it used to be <laughs> used to be dixon clouds dixon sunset now it's mel sunset <laughs> you know i don't ever hear the word dixon anywhere i only hear it's a mel sunset it's a mel sunset oh well, he's not around it didn't bother him. <laughs> i wonder if he heard that when he was alive i bet he did uh, probably so but yeah. you know he was a different time that yeah populists weren't I'm so aware of artists like they are now, you know, because yeah. of the media and everything right. like that. So, in I I had a cover of Southwest Art in 1981 I, or two. Yeah, I own that painting. Oh, yes, you No, do. I don't. I own the one that's on the cover of uh, Arizona Highways. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. And um, and Don Haggerty saw the article and who did the Dixon book. Yes. Yes was friends with uh, Edith Hamlin, and and uh, gave me a call, and uh, we became good friends. And of course, he wrote my book, 
in 97. Uh, and um, so he said, so I'd been hanging out with Jerry Foster, who yeah. was a helicopter pilot for Channel 12. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's that a very big, that's a big component of what you do. It really is. I mean, especially back then, you know. And, you know, I've got so much reference that I, once in a while, I'll go and look, see if there's anything I missed. You right. Know, the, and there's, and it just, the thrill of those trips were amazing. I mean, Jerry was a, was a spirited flyer and we uh, had some amazing trips, you know. Was he a combat guy? Do no, you know? he, he taught. I think he taught military uh, helicopter. I see. Yeah. So he was this helicopter guy who yeah. you got an invitation to go up. Right. I met uh, I met Tom Grzynski was a photographer and we were, we, he was, we were mutual friend. For, uh, how am I trying to say that? Anyway, Tom was a good friend of Jerry's. And, yeah. And so he brought Jerry over to my place once and I, he saw what I was doing painting wise and I casually dropped a hint what a great perspective for an artist you know? <laughs> boy i'd like to see that someday so he called me up and he goes okay pack lightly meet me on top of channel 12 at six in the morning and we're packed for i think four days or something like that so the first day in a helicopter other than i when i was living in new york my uh, ad agency, we, ad agency was uh, on uh, in the um, uh, damn there again. It's an airline. Yeah, Pan Am. Pan Am. Yeah, it was a Pan Am building. So I'd go to work. I'd take my suitcase. I'd go up on the roof, catch a helicopter, and you know I felt like a real <laughs> modern guy. Oh yeah, you are <laughs> hot shot actually. <laughs> anyway. So I, that's the only time I'd been in a helicopter, mind you. And this is a little Hughes 500D. It's a right. jet helicopter. Very capable. They're really a sports car of helicopters back then, I think. And uh, so I meet him and Tom and the cameraman because they did uh, these trips. They did video for little pieces and a half-hour piece on, mm -hmm. every, every, on every trip. And... Uh, so, you know, the first day we're land, we land on some rocks at Sedona, went clear to the top of San Francisco Peaks. Yeah, which is like 13,000 feet or it's something. 12,600. Yeah. The ceiling of a helicopter is about 13. Yeah. So <laughs> later on, Jerry admitted uh, getting it back up in the air was a little difficult. Yeah, I'm sure. And I remember we just kind of went up and fell died off. Down, you know? <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, and then we, and then I remember we we flew and we landed at two Gray Hills trading posts. Yes, and uh, and we walked in and the owner goes, "I like the way you boys dropped in here." <laughs> 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 and then we, and then we went to the Grand Canyon when you could still fly in the canyon. Right. I mean, and we're treetop level, and all of a sudden it just opens up and just you drop into the thing. Wow. It was, um, there was more than one time I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, one time, didn't you end up on top of a 
some kind of a bluff and the lightning bolts were all well, going we, everywhere? That we were, there was, Don Haggerty was on that trip. We had three helicopters because mm. there was always two, at least two on a trip. This time we had three. And uh, we landed on top of Gunsight Butte at Lake Powell. And it had um, uh, a, uh, a kind of a stormy, maybe a good sense sunset was starting and the cameraman was all set up. And, and I got out of Jerry's helicopter and I said, and it was making a buzzy noise. I said, did you forget to turn something off? He goes, no, I didn't. And, and then all the helicopters were buzzing. Oh, God. And that's when I had long but thinning hair. Yes. <laughs> Somebody saw a boom, a spark go down the boom of a helicopter, and they looked at me, and my hair was standing on end. Oh, my God. And that's a negative charge, yeah. meaning a lightning could happen, yeah. which we never saw. But I've never seen three helicopters get off the top of that. It's quick. <laughs> uh, can you imagine? That was a little frightening. Yeah. <laughs> Air raising, you might say. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Couldn't do it now. Right. Um, so when you're doing the, those helicopter perspectives, it ch must change your art, right? Well, so it changed some of it for sure. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we were flying at real low levels. So, But there were, I mean, I did a painting of Three Sisters. It was right. In, it was uh, was a perspective helicopter perspective. Yeah, that's one of the most interesting paintings actually because of the way it's yeah. like eye level with it, and you never see three sisters in Monument Valley like that. So right. it's always from below. Right, exactly. So it was anyway. Yeah, it was it was exciting, and I mean, and I would come back and you know, have all this great reference because I I had motor drives one time I had two cameras with motor drives, I'd be shooting out of windows, not even knowing what the hell I was getting. Just, and you get back and you go, oh, God, I didn't even see that. You know? <laughs> and you still use those occasionally for reference? Uh, on occasion, yeah. 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 And I do, I still do trips up there and stuff, you know. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't realize that you also do plain air painting. There are times that you will go out, especially with you and Gary Smith. Yeah, Arnold Gary Smith. Smith and I and Larry Clarkson. Yeah, Larry Clarkson. do... Uh, we used to do that more often than we do now, but uh, yeah, those were fun and mostly in Utah. Although we did Arizona once, and I took them through Karcher Caverns mm -hmm. with the Parks Department head. Another thing that you did, we might as well mention that while you're yeah. here on Karcher Caverns, because you did the big Kuglacon that's in the park, right? How'd you get that deal?